Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Do do we have an intro today, or I I didn't think we read anything. Um, what are we even talking about? I I honestly don't know. I know we read New Moon for like four weeks before this, uh, but I don't remember reading anything for this week's recording. Are you claiming that you didn't? Do your homework? No, like there was nothing else to read in New Moon. <laughs> it was just uh, like a hundred blank pages. Uh, I have some vague memory of that. But... I mean, like, they, I feel like there was ink on them, but like it, like in my memory, it's all kind of blurred. Is it, is it because of how bad it was? <laughs> uh, it, it might have been the seething rage. Uh... <laughs> Uh, on the Sarah scale of anger, I was definitely, I remember feeling somewhere around a 10 out of 10, uh, <laughs> but I just don't remember reading anything. Well, you know, Jacob wasn't in almost any of the chapters we read. So like my anger was very hard to contain. Um, what year is it? Uh, I think, is it, is it 2006? No, shit. See, this has fucked me up. It's 2020, and we are reading New Moon. I'm M. Oh my god, I'm Sarah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm Sarah. <laughs> that intro, I want you to know that about 20 seconds before we started recording it, I was like, okay, so uh, whenever you're ready, you can start doing the intro, and then... <laughs> And then M goes into that. I was very confused for the first five seconds. I knew I had to keep talking because if I stopped and gave you the chance to jump in, you wouldn't realize that that was the intro. (laughs) But we made it through. uh, Much like Mitch McConnell is going to try to force through a new Supreme Court justice nominee. I'm Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm blanking on what events happened yesterday uh can there's just seething rage again just this yeah so i, I don't really remember anything <laughs> except the unfortunately anger. supreme court justice ruth bader ginsburg has passed away and within hours of her death mitch mcconnell came forward to say that it was of the utmost importance that we nominate a new justice um um i just want everyone to know that uh it is not appropriate to nominate a Supreme Court justice in an election year. You should <laughs> let the people decide on who's leading the country and who should pick the next Supreme Court justice. Where did you where did you get that idea from? Oh, I think that was uh, Senator Mitch the Turtle McConnell from Kentucky. <laughs> It's almost like in 2016, he decided that he didn't want to accept a nomination from President Obama because he was an asshole and hated everything Obama did. And then as Even soon though as... it was a centrist, well-respected nomination. Yes, it's okay. But on to less aggravating things. This week we read, <laughs> we read chapters 21 through 24 plus the epilogue of New Moon. Um, and I 
had a few moments where I was once again reminded that if this was not Edward and Bella, I, I, there were a few times where I was like, that could have been cute, but it's, it's not because it's Edward and Bella. That's like the series, that's the entirety of the series, maybe <laughs> if it wasn't them. So would you like to begin chapter 21 of New Moon? I'm considering it. Are we going to read it together on, on like, should I get my book? Oh, I'm just going <laughs> to literally just read the book. Well, that has not been our MO for the last however many episodes of this show that we've done. I just can't do justice to how bad it is. It is super bad. Like this, I appreciate that Stephanie Meyer is an okay world builder. Like I will give her that. But the plot and the characterization is just so... Is there a plot? Upsetting. Yes. If you follow it from <laughs> beginning to end, there is some semblance of a plot. It seems more like events that happen yeah. in order. In order, yeah. There's there's really no rising and falling action because, like, you have the whole build-up, the whole book of the werewolves and then Bella, like, having her whole, like, adrenaline junkie shit and then all of a sudden there is an entire side plot about uh, ancient vampires and their political happenings that and is... And nothing matters. ...pulled out of absolutely fucking nowhere. <laughs> the thing is, the werewolf stuff is really just build-up for what's about to happen in Eclipse because of the whole, like, vampire war that we have. And, uh... I... I have to question the way that Stephanie Meyer structured this series. But I understand you can't wait until Eclipse to have the werewolves. But, like, I think she should have waited until Eclipse to have Edward return. Because if you finish out this book and there's no Edward, you don't even have, like, a settle. Like, you're just like, is he never coming back? Well, unfortunately, Bella finds him at the end of our last episode. Yeah. And going into this episode, in chapter 21, they get to meet the old sandbaggy vamps. The amount of times Bella says that she thinks their skin is going to rip open because of how papery it is has me absolutely terrified of what these men look like. I need... Smire to stop writing character descriptions from Bella's perspective. It's real bad. She says papery, I think, 40 times in one chapter. Literally, like, anyone that isn't a main character meant to be a good guy that Bella looks at in in this series is, like, horrifying to (laughs) some degree. You're right. (laughs) And, like, Like, any location she isn't meant to like is... (laughs) Horrible. Do you remember the, the final scene from the movie Twilight uh, when Victoria is at the dance and she turns around looking fucking drop dead gorgeous and she's like walking off. All I could think was, how is Bella afraid of this woman? I want this woman to step on me. Uh... But then again, she's characterized quite differently in the film versus the movie because... The film versus the movie? In the film... Are we going to get into a debate about what's what the delineation is? Between <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant the film versus the book. Uh, but still, the uh, she's so hot. <laughs> anyway, enough. No, who's it. not hot? Arrow. <laughs> Arrow is not hot. Continue, please. Uh, 
so he's like soups excited about them all being there uh or at least he's acting like he's soups excited he's fangirling and uh he still wants ed and alice to join and become part of their coven and ed and alice are like nah dog we ain't about that people eating life even though ed has no morals as he says later uh uh, <laughs> uh and then arrow just has this like obsessive conversation repeatedly harping on the fact that ed is not just fucking going to town on bella and it's just like holding her right against him uh and then he gets intrigued by bella and he's like oh let me let me try and use my powers on you and it doesn't work, so then he's like, hey, Jane, why don't you try to use your powers on Bella? And then Ed jumps in between them, and Jane ends up using her powers on Ed instead, and apparently her power is to put you in pure physical agony. It made with me... With just her... Her little Thinking brain. about it? Yeah. So th- Bella never ex- like explicitly states it. I think they stated it in the movie because otherwise it would be super confusing. But Jane's power is that she just puts you in excruciating pain. Yeah, but it's like, I don't even... Like, she doesn't the- actually affect you. It's just, you are... They say this later that all vampire abilities are mental. And so like she basically just convinces your brain that you are in terrible pain. So, yep. and then it doesn't work on her. <laughs> no, it does. So, yes, Ed went down for nothing, but you know, <laughs> at least we get to see him writhing in pain. Uh-huh. Uh, so, with all that figured out, Arrow's like, all right, uh, Cullen's can go free, but Bella knows too much, so she's going to have to stay and we're going to eat her. Of course. And... Bella and her Ed and Alice are like, no, you're not going to eat her. She's our lunch. And so then they get into a debate over whether or not Bella's going to be turned. And so Arrow asks for confirmation. So he touches Alice's hand and Alice shows him, well, doesn't show him. He sees everything. So he sees the vision Alice had of Bella becoming a vampire And so he allows them all to go free, but tells them that the old vamps are going to be coming to check in. So here's the biggest problem with the last little bit of that. Yeah. They said in this chapter that Arrow, when he touches you, has access to like everything in your mind. Everything you've thought, everything you've seen, everything you felt like, everything. So he touches Alice and figures out that she had a vision of Bella turning. But she, he also would figure out that Alice's visions are circumstantial and can change. Yeah. And Bella assumes he lets them leave because of the vision and that he doesn't know that they can change. But, but, he's, but yeah. he knows because he sees everything in Alice's head. So they're... So I'm like, okay, either for some reason he doesn't want to kill them all, or he knows it's subject to change, but sees that Alice 
wants to change Bella anyways and yeah. is just counting on her to do it even if Ed won't. And so he's willing to lie to the others and just keep that story going. But I'm just, I don't really know why. So my thoughts <laughs> on this are that there's two, there's a whole lot going on in this specific case. So I think you're right. I think he does see specifically that Alice intends for Bella to become a vampire because he even says like, you can tell me that you're going to turn her, but you have to mean it. Yeah. And so it's kind of a matter of like, he sees in Alice's head that she does mean it, that she does want Bella to become a vampire. And we know that they have basically a fail safe because Carlisle will do it. Yeah. Even if Alice can't. Um, I mean, even if she couldn't, Alice would just end up killing her, which works for them anyway. Yeah. Um, but then I also, we you have to remember that I think Arrow being the more theatrical and excitable member of the group, I think he is willing to hedge his bets that she will become a vampire or they'll just kill her anyway. That he's like, you know what? Just He's just, just looking go. for entertainment. Yeah, he basically is like, this will be interesting enough that I'm willing to put the stuff at risk just to see what'll happen. Because there's also has to be a part of him because he, he did well, he touched Bella's hand, but he can see that she's very scared, even though he can't read her thoughts. So he has to have some part of him that knows that she's probably not going to tell anyone anyway. So he's just kind of like, look, they'll turn her into a vampire and we'll get to see what her ability means as a vampire or we'll get to kill her anyway and we'll get to kill all the other Cullens and it doesn't matter. So He also wanted Bella to stay and let them turn her since she has this weird ability and she was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that if for some reason Edward and Alice were like, all right, peace, and they left her there, he probably would have turned her anyway. Like, I don't think they would have killed her. No, they probably, at that point, it, she was too intriguing, I think, because of the nullifying powers yeah thing. which i we never know why the powers don't work on her it's just they don't nope and Except the power alice's yeah the, she can see her but i think that is purely because alice's is more i i'm gonna say objective but what i mean is that it's more of an outside looking in versus like something that's coming from inside of you like the thoughts or the pain Except for the fact that she can't see werewolves. Yeah. I think that's just lore. I, like, look, it doesn't all have to make sense, but, you know. Kind of. Kind of. It's Stephanie Meyer. I'm not they asking They harp her. so much on her nullifying abilities that I'm just like, what? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, Anyways. We, we see later... Because Edward can read the werewolf's thoughts, but Alice can't see them in her visions. So I think Do you Al think Smyre, like, realized <laughs> this as she was writing it and just said, fuck it? Or that she really just didn't notice the fact that it's so inconsistent? I have to think that Alice's ability just works differently than everybody else's. Because... Because she's pretty and special? Yeah. She is the most special. She does solve everyone's problems at the end of Breaking Dawn. Like, she et solves everything. Herself. I'm, I am Queen Alice. <laughs> yeah. So, the so, next chapter. Oh, no, you on. had more thoughts. You had more thoughts. I did. 
So the whole blood drinking thing. Oh my god. It's a metaphor <laughs> for abstinence, as we've discussed before. Yeah. Um, but he's had her blood, so in theory they're not abstinent. It's like anal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he drank her blood without but, killing her. Therefore, they did not have real sex. So all I can imagine is this scene, but normal people, and Arrow's <clears throat> just some really old, creepy guy that's just sitting there like, Ed, how have you not slayed that fine-ass pussy <laughs> Get on that ass, Ed. Get on that ass. <laughs> That's disgusting. Stop. But that's exactly what, like, it, is. it would it's be. It's basically, like, him being, like, I literally don't understand. Because he doesn't know. He, uh, he obviously, Bella doesn't smell as good to Edward as it does to him. But he saw the way that it, he felt the way that it smelled to Edward while reading Edward's thoughts. So he knows how bad it is. And later they call the, her blood the singer. Because it sings for him, which is so fucking stupid. I thought it was poetic and pretty. Did you? No. <laughs> no. So chapter 22. Edward, Alice, and Bella have to wait until nightfall to leave to avoid sparkling in front of people in the sunlight. Bella is super tired but doesn't want to fall asleep, which becomes the most ridiculous plot line I've ever heard. Um, so bad. Edward explains that Gianna, the human secretary, hopes that the Volturi will one day turn her, but Bella is disgusted at the thought of becoming a killer like them. Which is fucking hilarious and ironic and beautiful. And, like, Ed... I love how, like, Ed acknowledges it and just, like, really? And Bella just ignores it. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, whatever. Um, so then at home in Forks, the whole Cullen family is back and greets the three of them at the airport. Rosalie apologizes to Bella and Bella is happy to forgive her because what happened isn't her fault. Uh, then Charlie is big mad when they make it back to his place. I really thought that I, for some reason in my head, I thought that this was going to be the turning point for Bella and Rosalie's relationship, which it kind of is because her reasoning later on, I do understand but it's still just like, I don't know, this is the first time we get an idea that Rosalie isn't just a huge bitch. Which she still kind of is, but I can still kind of get where she's coming from. However, the way that Rosalie talks in this scene is so fucking weird. She's like, I'm so very sorry, Bella. But like, I so I know she was born in 1915, but she's lived through all of the time since then. And she hasn't stopped talking like a fucking weirdo. Okay, to be fair, would you prefer that? Or would you prefer... <laughs> would you what prefer... What are you about to say? Emmett hopping out the car, jumping across the hood, like sliding across it, in a snapback, and being like, Yo, Bella, what's up at the hizzy how? <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about Emmett, so I would prefer that. Emmett is fantastic both in the books and on screen. He is the only character who every time I see them, I'm like, yes. Rosalie Amazing. Steps out. Hey, my bitch, what's up? I'm s s sorry 
no, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I would just rather her be like, Bella, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I hope that they rectify that dialogue in the movie because if not, I'm going to scream. And we're watching the movie later today. So I, you know, you'll know. <laughs> oh no, I'll be waiting for it. Uh, You had a note here. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> Peak Mormonism coming through on Smyre's <laughs> part. <laughs> Imagine being so horribly affected by drinking caffeine that after multiple days without sleep you drink a can of coke and are able to continue staying awake for an elongated period of time yeah multiple days without sleep beforehand so also imagine ordering a coke as an 18-year-old woman that mm-hmm. just flew halfway across the world to save your dumb fuck sorry ass of an ex from himself. And then that ex chastising you for ordering a Coke. Like you aren't an adult that just stopped him from getting himself killed. Yeah. It's, um, so first of all, so she slept, we know she actually slept on the plane ride to Italy. Right. And so she, it's only three days that she's gone. The first day, which was the plane ride to Italy, the second day in Italy, and then the third day is like the plane ride back. Right. So in theory, she slept on the plane ride there. So in theory, at most, she would have been awake because she... She wakes up at 1 a.m. and Edward's like, you've been asleep for 14 hours. So they got home like late morning, midday the previous day, okay? She was only awake for like 36 hours. Um, have you ever been awake for 36 hours? Yes. As have I, many times. I have never been so fucking delirious that I couldn't walk up some steps to my bedroom after being awake for like 36 hours. I will say it's extremely difficult for me to be awake that long. Yeah. And it's not really worth the effort. But, uh, yeah, I can still physically move myself. I, yeah. It's just, like, it was so baffling to me that she was just, like, While she was... It's not not the lack of sleep that did it to her. It's the aftermath of the drugs that she took. (laughs) The, uh, the acid that she dropped while she was in Volterra? No, the can of Coke. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was way too hardcore for that thought process that you were But no, she through. actually did drop a few tabs of acid. Uh, a, few, a few tabs of acid? <laughs> that, I, like, <laughs> the entire scene, once they went to the sewer, didn't happen. She did a few after having done the hardest drug she had ever done being a swig of cold medicine. She dropped a few tabs of acid in Italy. Is she even alive? I mean, not that that would kill her, but she would get herself killed if that was her first experience being on acid. I don't know. Maybe that would negate the bad luck thing she has going for her. You know, you're not entirely wrong. I'll have to ask my friend who has actual experience with acid. Same friend who was present during the Molly conversation. We should bring him on sometime. (laughs) 
and we'll give him all of these scenarios where she's like had some caffeine and then like oh my god or she drank cold medicine or whatever and was like Ugh, drug use and i just want him to react to that stuff maybe we'll do a bonus episode which is just my friend reacting to bella's uh categorization of drug use we could just make a whole separate podcast <laughs> my friend reacting to drug use in media hell yes hell yes all right chapter, chapter 23 which is like pages of nothingness nothing happens uh fellow wakes up and there's ed in her bed and they spend a whole lot of time on her thinking that she is dreaming of him there because she's really fucking stupid and she doesn't know how to tell dream from reality even after being awake for a significant period of time. I I don't under... Like, if you have full control... Okay, she has full control of herself. So, like, either she would be lucid dreaming, at which point you know you're dreaming because you have full control. Mm-hmm. And most people cannot lucid dream for extended periods of time. Once you realize you're dreaming, that's when your brain is like, okay, time to wake up. Not all or, the time, but most of the time. Or you're in reality. So, like, stop. Stop, stop it. Stop it. It was stupid. so stupid. The way she kept. It was like, it was. Multiple I, times she was like, I'm dreaming. And it's, it, was, it was annoying. I get it. Because I've certainly had concepts or emotions that I wanted to relate from a character before and I drug it out a little in a scene and but see then I go back and I read it and I was like and I'm like mm, no that's stupid yeah when it's drug out and then I cut it I wouldn't have minded Smire. if she was like am I dreaming and then he was like no and she was and like oh ended. thank god or yeah, maybe like, if she was once. a little playful and she was like, are you sure? And he, like, kissed her and she was like, nope, it's real. Kissed her. Stuck his hand. At what? So this chapter is also where they, like, make out in her bed. Yes, very and, intensely. And But but Meyer is very sure to describe the fact that their hands are on each other's faces. There's no body touching or anything. That's a weird. That's a weird place to keep all of all four hands. (laughs) All four hands are on face, and I. The thing is, like, I am. I'm not saying that I want sex to be just like all over YA media because I do think sometimes there is an oversaturation of sex in young adult media. However, she's 18. He's 110. They can, be, they can be a little sensual without it being weird. In fact, you have made it weird by making them only touching each other's faces. I'm just like, I, I don't need it to go to sex, but like something sensual. Yes. The fact that it's, it's just unnatural. It is really unnatural <laughs> because in the, they, in, I hope, I don't, uh, I wonder what it's going to look like in the movie if this scene actually happens. Which, I the, the scene itself has to happen, but I don't know if they're going to do the good kiss. I can't imagine because in the first... Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart were like, yes, let's hold each other's faces. Faces, yes. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. 
It, this felt like a, a, I wanted, there's so many times where I'm like, well, in this scene, if you really wanted it to be romantic, it could have been this or whatever. And I felt like this was a good moment for them to really be just like close. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be sex. You don't even have to like go for some titty or some thigh or some, but like literally. Holding like, each other close. I was about to nice. say, most of the time when you get like, when you're getting into it, you wrap your arms around each other yeah. and pull in tight. You don't really nice. get you don't get that We're same physical effect from the so face. Much. I think it's the thing that the problem is that Smire hasn't had good romantic interactions. Yes. See, <laughs> as someone who is very invested in physical touch. It's like when I read a scene where where I'm like, oh, yeah, these two characters, they're going to be, you know, very sweet and somewhat intimate with each other. This is lovely. Um, when it becomes weird and closed off and cold, I'm like, why? You've ruined it. It could have been so sweet. The moment Unless where... Unless there's a reason for it. Do you remember the moment in, I think it was chapter... 19 before they left when Jacob was about to kiss Bella and he was like inches away from her face and he was like holding her face very tenderly and stuff. I was like, this is actually a really decent intimate moment that Stephanie Meyer wrote. But see, if he had kissed her, then she would have wrote about how his hands stayed on her cheeks yeah. for the entire five minute makeout session. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was, like, so good because it was, like, oh, they were close. And, like, she, like, described feeling his, like, hot breath on her face. And I was, like, oh, my God, this is actually very sweet. And then it let, they like, that that moment was left by itself. And I was, like, that's okay because, like, the interruption made it good. Because if he had kissed her, she probably would have made it awkward. If he, she and had kissed him. And then this scene was real gross. probably would have ended the book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I still like I wish it would have been a great two book series if she had like managed to find happiness with Jacob who like treated her nice and then they killed Victoria and then everybody got to move on and Edward was just gone can't they just keep Victoria as a pet <laughs> or Victoria shows up and she's like listen bitch I don't give a fuck about Edward anymore he's gone so if you want to go kill him by all means and Victoria was like you know what more power to you. Peace. Hey, you want to turn me and then we can go together? <laughs> <laughs> but then... But anyway. <laughs> anyway. So they conversate about Ed's uh, absence and the fact that he was trying to become a tracker and he was very bad at it. Uh, and just trying to ignore the fact that he missed her. Aww. Yeah. Um, but he didn't count on Victoria returning because he's Ed. It's and so stupid. He was tracking her. He was trying to track her. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you didn't think she was coming back, yet you were still trying to track her for some. <laughs> And then you also managed to lose her. So he even says that, like, Uh, he let... She, in the moment when he was listening to James's thoughts, the only thing that he got from her was that she was totally and utterly confident in James and that she knew that, like, James was going to be 
the winner or whatever. So he just, like, didn't anticipate that she cared that much for him. But it's, like, she participated in trying to find Bella in the first place. So why would you not think that she was somewhat devoted to James and would be really fucking pissed off if you killed him? Also, I'm not saying that being devoted to someone results in foolhardy confidence, but generally speaking, yeah. if somebody has full confidence in their partner's capabilities, uh, that's not going to make me think, oh, this person doesn't care much about their partner. Yeah. I don't know how that's the conclusion you draw. But clearly this is why it's an abusive relationship. Because Ed thinks having positive feelings towards your partner means that you don't care about them. Yeah. Anyways. Absolutely not. I, I It's just like so <laughs> stupid. Uh, it ends with them arguing m- more. <laughs> about her becoming a vampire. Bella. And... <gasps> I forgot that that even happened because it's so goddamn stupid. It's so stupid. I... And Bella... Bella's just like, I, I'm leaving. And he's <sighs> like, where are you going? He's, and she's like, you can stay here. He's like, where are you going? And she's like, I'm going to your family. And there's <laughs> going to be a vote because it's not just about you. It was never just and about him. The whole family had to fucking vacate Forks at the beginning of the book anyway. This <gasps> is the first time in this series yeah. that I looked at what Bella was saying yes. and doing. And I was yes. like, yes, yes, girl. Yes, out loud when this because was happening. she's finally using her brain and standing up for herself and she's telling him she literally told him the world doesn't revolve around you Edward it's not just about what he wants it's about what she wants and about the family that he's involved there are seven people involved in this he is one of those seven Mm -hmm. he is also one of two that doesn't want her to be turned. It's, to be fair, to be clear though, and I, this, I'm not just saying this because of how much I love him, it's eight people are involved because if they come for Bella and Bella happens to be in the house with Charlie, Charlie's also going down. True. Yeah. And how could you do that to Charlie? <laughs> and what kills me... This is Ed. This is Ed during the scene. Mm-hmm. Shit stain. Cullen. Yes. So I had all these ideas and plans that I keep making and executing and every single fucking time it ends in the worst way possible because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I make everyone go with what I want. So how about we just let you grow old and die and pretend there aren't ancient super powerful vampires that are going to come and kill all of us if we don't change you he even makes a point and we'll get to it but during the voting meeting where he's like we'll just hide you they won't be able to find you what okay and i even had a huge ass problem with that because he said that dimitri finds people and he's like dimitri is a tracker much stronger than james 
Is he saying that Dimitri has an actual power that enables him to find people? Or is he yes. saying that he's just a tracker? No, he said he says that he has a power. Okay. Because But he, it won't work on Bella. Yeah. But, but we but, but the thing is he, the way because... he the way he describes it is that he's just a tracker like James. Well, but he's he more powerful. He has, he has this uh Hold on. I'm gonna get the book. Because he's like he describes how it works. It's like he can mentally locate people from large distances. Okay. It's but it won't work on Bella. Which so, is why they can hide her. While you're looking for that quote, I'm going to start summarizing chapter 24. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, hold, on. hold on. Hold on. Their relationship is vapid and gross. Yeah. And it has no basis. Mm-hmm. And it's made worse by the fact that Bella isn't hood enough forever. <laughs> and the thing that pisses me off the most is that constantly throughout this chapter and the next, Bella's like, I'm just not good enough. I don't understand why you want me. And look, I understand why the first time or two somebody says that, you might just tell them you love them or that that's not true. But when they do it repeatedly, what you tell them are the reasons that you want to be with them and you care about them. Yeah. And the shallow, disgusting level of this relationship is only proven more by the fact that Ed cannot move past just saying, no, I love you, and actually telling her why he cares about her or why he wants her around. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just every, it's like if if you have a freak out or something and your partner is just like, no, it's fine. Yeah, but can like, you like give me a little more reassurance because just telling me that it's fine is not <laughs> helping at all. Like, I, I already don't know why either of you are interested in each other. And now, when presented with the opportunity to explain that, you don't. It's like the first book, when they were like, Bella, let's not give you any personality traits or hobbies. And then there's a scene where Ed just fucking quizzes her on all of her interests. And we skip it. <laughs> yeah. Does Smyre think we don't like this stuff? It's even worse than <laughs> authors who make every single character they have is basically like their entire personality is their hobby. Like they're like, oh, this is the theater friend. This is the artist friend. This is the music friend. That's that bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not bad. It's just like when the character's entire personality is art, it's a little troubling. However, when the, when the character's entire personality is nothing... You need something. Yeah, you need something. <laughs> so chapter 24 um, opens up with them going to the... They're running to the Cullen house, and Bella is like, oh, after being in, like, a million motorcycle accidents, running on Edward's back is not a problem. And then she kisses him, and he's like, oh, do you believe you're not dreaming? And she's like, nah. <laughs> Which is uh, so unfortunate. Um... So, so Bella says more self-loathing bullshit about not deserving Edward, then realizes she heard his voice all that time because she knew deep down he really loved her, which is so fucking stupid because you spent the entire 
fucking book saying, oh, he never loved me. He doesn't want me. He's never coming back for me. All this stuff. And then now you're going to have this dumb fuck epiphany being like, oh, he loves me. And that's why I heard his voice all those months. (sighs) (laughs) This epiphany out of every... Out of the over 1,000 pages that we've we read have so read far in this series up to this point is the dumbest shit yeah. I have ever read. You're telling me that in almost half a year of his absence, Bella not at one point stopped to consider the possibility that he did care about her and... How that would track with the actions he took. It's not even almost half a year. It's eight months. I wish to cease. I I laughed when I read that. I wish to cease. It reminded me of this uh, TikTok I saw this morning that that this girl was like, I've decided to go missing. I've decided I'm a missing person. Yeah. She was talking about, uh, it was like this conversation she was having with a friend about getting a job and stuff. And it was just so fucking funny. It was one girl, she was like, I got rejected from the bagel house and they didn't even let me finish my application. Who was rejected (laughs) from the bagel house? (laughs) But yeah. The house made of bagels. (laughs) So at the house, Bella puts her becoming a vampire to a vote. And everybody but Edward and Rosalie vote to turn Edward into a vampire. Turn Edward into a vampire. Damn it! It's the, I was reading it off the page and I made it. I, uh. This like entire block is just nonsense. It is. It is. <laughs> at the house, Bella puts her becoming a vampire <laughs> to a vampire to a vote. And everyone but Edward and Rosalie vote to turn Edward into a vampire. I woke up, rolled out of bed, and wrote these summaries. And I, I like was in the middle of making myself coffee as I was going through it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I have six brain cells left after reading this stupid book. Um, so That's everyone but <laughs> Edward and Rosalie vote to turn Bella into a vampire. Carlisle promises to do it if Edward won't, and Ed throws a huge stupid hissy fit in the other room. Or, as I put it, Aww, Eddie Weddy is just a big old baby baby throwing tantrums and smashing up your whole house, you wowsy. What kills me about this scene, and it like, it really rings true to a more traditional sense of relationships, is that Bella just kind of cringes while he's like fucking shit up in the other room, rather than being absolutely terrified and leaving the way that you should if you hear your significant other throwing a tantrum and breaking multiple pieces of furniture. And see, here's where I'm torn. Because on the one hand, reading that scene made me go... If I was Bella, I would go in there and be like, what the fuck? Get your shit together. Yes. 
But on the other hand, in Ed's mind, they just voted to kill Bella, I guess. Which, I mean, I guess if my significant other died. Yeah. But it's different. Because, like, for me, it would be the fact that my significant other was gone. Yeah. Whereas for him, it's just like, she dyed her hair a color he didn't like. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> you made a comment here about Emmett. Because he's like super excited uh, to fight the Volturi. Ed, well, no, it, the fight, wanting to fight the Volturi is fine. <laughs> it's the fact that Ed goes through his we're gonna hide Bella plan, which everyone else can recognize as the dumbest fucking plan in the world. But, and Emmett's just like, bro, that's a great fucking plan. So and then so Fisk is Jasper. bumps him. Even Jasper is also like, all right, dude. And the girls are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Which I kind of appreciate because it does kind of just read like, why are men? <laughs> why do men? Why? 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 It's so stupid. But he like, I think it's for Jasper. I barely picked up on it because he didn't like. He didn't go, like. Yeah, bro, and then fist bump over it. <laughs> Which is fine. Emmett is himbo rights twenty twenty, but like, it's still really stupid. Now, since I, I did find it. Okay. So talking about Dimitri, uh, he says. So I saw how Dimitri's talent works. He's a tracker. A tracker a thousand times more gifted than James was. His ability is loosely li- loosely related to what I do or what Arrow does. Okay. He catches the flavor. I don't know how to describe it. The tenor of someone's mind. And then he follows that. It works over immense distances. Okay. Because I was thinking in my head, I was like, if he's just a tracker, but like real good at it, James could find Bella. So, Dimitri would also be able to find Bella, but he's not. He does have an actual, like... Tracker power. Ability. That's Which fine. technically James did, too. It's just his wasn't a mental ability, despite the fact that most It's just that James was much more attuned to literally tracking things. Yes. He had extremely strong senses of, like, smell and... Sass, uh... Sass. Yeah, sass. 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 (laughs) He was so Uh, sassy. Hearing. (laughs) He was pretty fucking sassy. (laughs) He was pretty fucking sassy. So back at Charlie's place, Bella admits that her greatest wish is for Edward to turn her instead of Carlisle. Edward finally agrees, but Bella has to agree to marry him first. Here's exactly where she could have demanded to be part of a thruple. (laughs) What? With. Ed and Jacob as her biggest wish. Jacob would never have done it though. Edward might, because he kind of seems like a Everyone knows that cuck, the seething but... rage between them is actually just sexual tension. Oh yeah, of course. I gar- I I know for a fact. I don't. <laughs> I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. I haven't looked for it. But I know for a fact that that is the plot to many a fan fiction. Many thousands thousands has to be like there's no way that there aren't thousands of uh edward and jacob fan fictions you're googling it now aren't you i am going to archive of our own shout out ao3 edward cullen slash jacob black okay 
Jacob Black slash Edward Cullen fix. There's only 328 in Archive of Our Own. However... Only 300? I mean, that's still literally hundreds. However, we have to remember that Archive of Our Own only goes back so far because fanfiction.net was the true home of fanfiction back when Twilight was super popular. Ah, the good old days. There are more than 6,000 Edward and Jacob fanfictions on fanfiction.net. 6,000. 6,000. So, we know for a fact that people uh, find their (laughs) chemistry, so to say, very compelling. And I guarantee you that 50% of those at least have something about the fact that the seething rage between them is sexual tension. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no just, like, soft build-up coffee shop AU. It all has to be, fr- like, enemies to lovers. Yep. Slow burn, 100,000 words, 47 chapters. So, Bella's inability to commit slow to burn, marriage... like my slow roast coffee. <laughs> yes. In my Twilight coffee shop AU. <laughs> <laughs> So Bella's inability to commit to marriage in this scene is so weird. What the fuck? She's ready to spend all of eternity with him, but she doesn't want to sign a little paper about it. I I like I understand because she says that like her parents are divorced and so marriage is kind of like the kiss of death in her opinion. But like you already want to spend the rest of like a thousand lifetimes with him. So why are you so opposed to getting married? Like, even if you get married, you can get a divorce. Yeah. You're literally going to be an eternal superhuman. You can get a divorce and leave, And go find another vampire to fuck. It's not hard. Or a human. I literally, like, I, in my, like, vampire story that I was telling you about have a character who's like considering turning her husband and she's like I don't know I just like what if it doesn't work out and then you're immortal and he's like I would be an immortal with sick alimony I would never turn down supernatural uh, immortality unless it came with the stipulation that it was not possible for me to die in any way. Yeah. I mean, at some point, I think I'd get sick of it and want to be done. I only want to have an out. That's all I care about is having an out at some point. I wouldn't (laughs) turn it down unless they told me I couldn't also turn Brandon. Because I'm not being immortal without my immortal butt buddy. There's no way. Should I say? No, I'm just. Should I'm I just say husband instead? <laughs> I'm just imagining my immortal, but <laughs> sung about a butt buddy. Oh, I thought you were talking about the fan fiction, my immortal. No. <laughs> no, the song that the name was taken from for that fan fiction. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back on topic. Um. So the next morning, Charlie is still mad about what happened, understandably, and wants Bella to explain. She makes up some stuff about traveling to L.A. to convince him she was alive and basically says if Charlie won't accept Edward, she'll just leave. When Charlie storms off, Edward again brings up eternal damnation, which isn't flying with Bella anymore because in Volterra, he believed he'd died and gone to the afterlife. Once again, 
Yes! Second time now. Yes! That Bella's just like, I'm going to be smart and assertive and use your own words against you to make my point because you're a fucking liar and you just don't like this. And I'm like, what the where was this for literally the first thousand pages of this series? It's uh, frustrating and annoying, but I am enjoying it and I hope it continues. I don't remember much about Eclipse other than her punching Jacob in the face. So we'll have to see what happens. But see, even that, the f- okay, ignoring what they did to Jacob's character, the fact that she stands up to somebody and punches them in the face for kissing her just is tacked on to this this buildup that we're getting of her character now. Yeah. But the problem is, it's okay if she, if it was a buildup to this midpoint in the series that she got here, but the fact that it's not like, it just happens and it's not shown as a progression and her learning that she needs to stand up for herself and the fact that it's just something she randomly starts doing is the problem. Yeah. She's not like, okay, I'm done. It's time to start standing up for myself. She just randomly does it. Yeah. Which is sad and doesn't really lead us to believe that this is a kind of character development as much as it's just like, it just, it felt convenient. But Edward is full of shit in this entire section. So, I mean, whatever. And now here's the biggest problem I have with this scene. Bella's an adult. Technically. She acknowledges this fact. Yeah, she's legally an adult. Mm-hmm. I understand where Charlie's coming from. And I think he is perfectly justified in his anger and his frustration, his disappointment, his sadness, his grief, his sexual attention with Carlisle. But... He should be happy the Cullens are back in town. His butt buddy has returned. His mustache, his fake mustache little tickle buddy back (laughs) but he's not in a position to do anything at this point he can kick her out but she has somewhere to go she makes that point herself he can ground her but she's an adult and she could literally just leave if she wanted to the only reason he can do anything is because she allows him to have that power and not even like a person like in an abusive relationship that allows somebody to have power over them because they've been convinced is literally she's making the active choice to give him that power she knows that she's doing it and it makes it pointless yeah like he's relying on her to punish herself and at that point he might as well just give in because it, she like i said she's an adult and there comes a time when we, even when as the parent you can see that your child is doing something really stupid and terrible where you have to acknowledge the fact that you can't do anything about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you just have to kind of be there for them. And it sucks. But you don't really have another choice. I think what's really getting to him more than anything else is he saw what happened when Edward left the first time. And he's... His biggest thing is not wanting Edward to completely fuck her up again. Because how does he know that he's not going to? He has no evidence to prove that it won't happen again. And that's... It's not an issue I have with Charlie's reaction. Because I think he's entirely justified. I think it could be mitigated if Bella just decided to loop him in. And said fuck it. Yeah. 
Oh but. yeah, at this point, like he should be, te- she should be telling Charlie the truth about Edward and his family, and then and then they can just hide the fact that Charlie knows. Charlie knows from the Volturi. Yeah, but I mean, he knows later. I think I think they tell him in Breaking Dawn after the baby is born because they have no choice but to tell him because she was obviously not pregnant, and then like two weeks later, there's a baby. Eventually, you have to say something. Yeah, but he's just like. I, I like I had a friend during when I was in high school who went to college, and they still lived with their parents when they came back from college, like when they were home on breaks, and they still had like curfews and stuff they had to follow and like specific rules, and I didn't get it because I've always been like my parents were always like, no, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> okay. Remember, I went to college before you. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but I also didn't understand that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my parents, I, I didn't even have curfews really in high school. By the time I was like old enough to drive, which I didn't, but by the time I was old <laughs> oh, enough Oh, I to, know you didn't. <laughs> my parents were basically like, just don't do anything stupid. Yeah. And we trust you not to do anything stupid. So the fact that you can have a child that's an adult and then still be like, I'm going to impose impose rules on your life. It only really works if you're holding the housing situation over their head. Mm-hmm. And Bella doesn't have that, so I'm just like, I don't. Which what, the, what? I, what we still have to, what you still have to understand on some level is that Charlie doesn't know that the Cullens family is like. I guess there's got to be a part of him that doesn't anticipate that if. Bella has to leave because she just refuses to listen to Charlie that like Carlisle and Esme are going to be like, yeah, just come live with us. And I think he has to think that like, oh, but if I go to them and talk to them and I'm like, Bella is acting crazy and Edward broke her heart and she's just like, you know, whatever that he doesn't understand that Carlisle and Esme are probably just going to be like, who cares? Because they know what's going on behind the scenes. He thinks that, oh, Carlisle and Esme are just parents and so if I go to them as a parent, then we'll be able to communicate effectively about how actually, stupid this whole situation is. I actually thought about this. Yeah. It was like a head scenario where I was like, what would happen if Charlie walked in and actually figured out Ed was there? Yeah. And like sneaking into her room at night still. And I just imagined, I was like, oh, he would call Ed's parents, obviously. And I just imagined the fact, like, how poorly that would go. Because Charlie would definitely be expecting, like, oh, we're going to have a talk with him. He's going to be proud. And they would actually just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, do? like, it's not like the it's not like Carlisle and Esme even really tell the kids what to do. He's like, 110. Like, they give them <laughs> advice and stuff, and if Carlisle was like, don't fucking do that, then the kids would listen, obviously. And Esme, too. But, like, they don't make, there's no rules in the house. It's just, like, don't let people know you're a vampire and don't kill anyone, you know? They're 110. Edward's 110. What rules are they gonna give him? Yeah. So, it's just... <laughs> it's uh I feel for Charlie cuz he, again he doesn't know like he doesn't understand that the Carlisle and Esme are not going to treat the situation like parents should which is and I understand that Bella is an adult but he she is still living under his roof 
And as far as he knows, she works part-time making shit money at a sporting goods store. So it's not like she can just go rent an apartment by herself while still living in high school. And so it's like Edward acting fucking stupid and breaking her heart and almost killing her, essentially. I would, I would probably react the way that Charlie did, too. And I wouldn't understand that I don't have any place to react that way. Because, yes, Bella... Oh, it's not that he doesn't have the place. He just doesn't actually have any power. Yeah. But he doesn't know he doesn't have any power, is what I'm saying. Because in his head, he's thinking, like, it's not like the Cullens are just going to let her move in with them. Because he thinks she so... She's a truck. <laughs> She's going to go live in her truck. I don't think she's just gonna uh, go fuck off and sleep in Jacob's uh I would say bedroom but I guess bed since the room is just his bed yeah like Billy's gonna let her go sleep in Jacob's bed that is also a room that is also a room (laughs) if she was gonna do that though this wouldn't even be a problem because in theory that would mean she's with Jacob and we wouldn't have this issue if every time she goes over to see Ed, Ed's just like, you smell like a werewolf again. <laughs> you smell like dog. So, the epilogue. The epilogue. Bella is grounded as fuck. Uh, there's, a, there's a magic card. It came out in the original Theros expansion. Okay. Uh, it's okay. a one mana rare white enchantment. It's called Chain to the Rocks. Uh, <laughs> is Bella Chain to the Rocks? It is meant to evoke the myth of Protheus, who was chained to the mountains for giving humans fire uh, and allowed to be eaten by vultures every day. And his innards would grow back and then be pecked out. And that's Bella right now. That's Bella. Uh, she is. <laughs> <laughs> That's not in my notes. I just kind of winged that, and I'm glad I remembered all of it properly. Yeah, that was uh, that was brutal. Um, but no, uh, it's not. She has a very light grounding, all things considered. Edward is still allowed in the house. Well, he's allowed during designated viewing times, and that you, is the I love only that you wrote time. viewing times instead of visiting times. Like he's viewing. coming over just to look at her. <laughs> no, she's she gets in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> and he just stands over her with flowers, <laughs> dropping them one by one. God, okay, um, continue. Yeah, he sneaks into her room, because of course he Yes, does. he sneaks in every night. And Jacob refuses to acknowledge her existence, and that's entirely justifiable. Uh-huh. Um, but then, one fateful afternoon... When Ed picks up Bella from work, pulling up close to the Swan household. God, please speed up. Edward I don't want to be gets... stuck in this scene forever. <laughs> Ed gets a little, uh, uh, what do you call it, a Peter tingle? <laughs> uh, Spidey sense? Is that what you're thinking of? A Peter tingle. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> about Charlie. And he's like, yo, Bella, you're dead. And he's like, I'm dead? What happened? And he's like, well, he's not going to kill you. But he's you're thinking dead. about it. Uh, so they pull, as they pull up, Bella sees the motorcycle 
that Jacob rebuilt for her in the driveway and she knows what's going down and and Ed's like he's here so they go into the woods and uh, apparently Jacob was trying to get her grounded she's already grounded but she's already grounded and he didn't know because he won't talk to her but he seems really confused about the fact that he hasn't been talking to her and that she's been trying to contact him, suggesting that maybe the intermediaries have not been open and honest about. I have a what feeling that well, because they even he even says that like he thought that Edward wouldn't let her go to La Push, and so he probably anticipated that the reason that she was calling was to just be like, "Hey, I can't see you anymore." I took it as Billy just being like. Fuck you. Yeah, and not wanting to tell. Which I would also believe. I think either one of those options is definitely possible. Uh, But then, in the best scene in this entire series so far, Ed eats his own shit and gives Jacob an honest thank you for keeping Bella from dying the entire time he abandoned her. Which is more than Edward has ever... He abandoned her longer than they had ever been together. Yep. Accurate. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. But then we find out that uh, Victoria escaped and the situation becomes real crazy because then Charlie's coming out of the house screaming, telling Bella to get her fucking ass in there. He doesn't Uh, say that. He does not say that for anyone who hasn't read the book. (laughs) um, And... Bella trying to tell Jacob she still wants to be friends and Jacob being like, I don't think we can be friends. And she's reaching out to him and he's touching me, touching you. Sorry. Uh, And then he starts like morphing and Ed's like, no. And he pushes Bella back. And then Charlie keeps on screaming angry dad Can rage you stop with this <laughs> i'm sorry uh i have a few thoughts on this so, whole scene yeah it, basically it ends with bella turning to go to charlie and ed her destiny uh following behind her and jacob off screen turning full wolfen so the fact that Bella is like, are you still going to keep your promise? And he's like, I don't know if I can keep trying. I was like, good on you, Jacob, because you are acknowledging that you can only give so much to a person without them giving you anything in return. Knowing when to end a toxic relationship is a very healthy, good thing to learn. Yeah, because... <laughs> She has, like, she spent so much time being like, you're never gonna, like, I'm never gonna be what you want. And then she finally decided that she could maybe just do it. And then she, like, abandons him for the people who abandoned her. That he... (laughs) What? Just do it. Oh. (laughs) Don't let your dreams be dreams. (laughs) Uh, and then she, he like rebuilt her from the ground up, just like those motorcycles. And then she's like, okay, now that I'm fixed, I'm going to go back to the people who fucked me up. Thanks for everything. Bye. And then she comes back later and she's like, can we still be friends? And he's like, well, why should I? (laughs) Because you have just proven over and over again that 
you're not going to be there for me when I need you. So, no. <laughs> and I applaud him for that. Then she, like, reaches out to him and he reaches out to her. And the reason he gets so pissed off and starts changing is because Edward will not let her hug him. And it makes me so fucking angry because he is her best friend who was there for her in all the time that, that Edward wasn't. Edward openly acknowledges this and then won't let Bella hug him. Edward, your brother literally tried to eat her. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should stop pretending they're werewolves are the dangerous ones what the fuck happened to your were dangerous mentality ed yeah <laughs> absolutely it was so disgusting the way he like refused to let her hug him it, it just made me so mad i was like are you i i'm like a seven i'm like an 8.9 out of 10 on the angry scale today look all I want to know is who the fuck keeps letting these hot redheaded vampires out of sight. <laughs> I just peeked the mic so fucking hard. Oh my god. That's your takeaway? <laughs> that is the most egregious sin in this series so far. <laughs> my god thank you for your contribution to this podcast but actually it's the fact that jacob and charlie don't deserve any of this shit. no they don't they do not at all i'm beginning to think that had bella just fallen off that cliff and died that it would have been a better end for both of them because <laughs> you know what yeah they would have been in a lot of hurt and they would have been a lot of grieve and they would have done them a big sad, but at least Bella couldn't hurt them and fuck up their lives anymore. Oof. Big oof. It's, um, I had this thought that because later during Breaking Dawn, they tell Charlie about the vampires and stuff. And all I could think was, are you going to change Charlie or not? Because... Poor boy doesn't deserve to have to grow old and die and know oh that his daughter... Permanent male pattern baldness face whisker vampire. That's the kind of vampire erotica I want to read. <laughs> you want to come back to my place, sweetie? Here's my collection of U.S. 1918 mint pennies. That's the end of New Moon. It's are you gonna Are Moon. you gonna read the acknowledgments read the this acknowledgments. time? Yep. Okay, I'm excited. I'm glad that you asked that while I was like saying. Okay, I didn't read these ahead of time either, so this I'm is gonna excited. be. I'm excited. Is anyone gonna lose their job this episode? Let's find out. So much love and thanks to my husbands and sons for their continuing under- Husband and sons. 
Mormons, polygamy. You Re- know, really so turning that thing. Uh, polygamy thing but on its, its head. The, yeah, they turned it around uh, for their continuing understanding and sacrifice in support of my writing. At least I'm not the only one to benefit. I'm sure many local restaurants are grateful that I don't cook anymore. So apparently she has two arguably artistic skills that she has made a living out of that are really, she doesn't deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, mom, for being my best friend and letting me talk your ear off through all the rough spots. Thanks also for being so insanely creative and intelligent and bequeathing a small portion of both into my genetic makeup. I... Keep going. She fucking, like, dolloped <laughs> a daisy that creativity into her, because, honey. <laughs> mm. Thanks to all my siblings, Emily, Heidi, Paul, Seth, and J... Heidi was one of the vampires. Yep. And Jacob, for letting me borrow your names. I hope I didn't do anything with them that makes you wish you hadn't. Well, you... I'm pretty sure... Wasn't Heidi the one that was all, like, sex up, sexed up yeah, to lure in the tourists? Yeah, she was super sexy to, to lure the tourists underground to... I really hope that her real sister Heidi is just, like, a mm. fucking sex queen. <laughs> <laughs> a special thanks to my brother Paul for the motorcycle riding lesson. You have a true gift for teaching. I can't thank my brother Seth enough for all the hard work and genius he put into the creation of www.stephaniemeyer.com. I'm so grateful for the effort he put. He continues to expend as my webmaster. Checks in the mail, kid. This time I mean it. So you didn't pay him for his work before. That's cold. <laughs> Thanks again to my brother Jacob for this ongoing expert advice on all my automotive choices. Okay. So he's the one that told you you could spend like $100 to take two motor vehicles (laughs) from literally non-functional to pristine condition. Yeah. Hmm. A big thank you to my agent, Jody Reamer, for her continued guidance and assistance in my career, and also for enduring my craziness with a smile when I know she'd like to use some of her ninja moves on me instead. Maybe she should stick to ninja moves. Love, kisses, and gratitude to my publicist, the beautiful Elizabeth Yulberg. Oh, so she is gay. At least a little. Since she gave her female publicist kisses kisses uh for making my touring experience less a chore and more a pajama party for aiding and abetting my cyber stalkery for convincing those exclusive snobs in the elizabeth yulberg club to let me in and oh yeah also for getting me on the new york times bestsellers list there's a lot (laughs) in that paragraph (laughs) That is... Oh my god. The exclusive... Okay. The exclusive snobs of the Elizabeth Yulberg Club. Uh, So is this a club of authors that this publicist works with? 
And I don't think they count as snobs for not wanting to let you in, Smire. <laughs> Have you seen your book? Oh my god. What the fuck was she cyber-stalking? I don't I don't know. And why is she giving kisses to this lady she pajama partied with? I'm like so concerned. These acknowledgments are terrifying. <laughs> A huge bat of thanks to everyone at Little Brown and Company for their support and their belief in the potential of my stories. Quit your job. Quit your job. Little Brown and Company. <laughs> go under. <laughs> and finally, thank you to the talented musicians who inspire me, particularly the band Muse. Oh, don't. Oh, don't no. sully Muse oh, like that. No. Oh, Their emotions. That's probably how they wound seem... up on the soundtrack for the first movie. There are emotions, scenes, and plot threads in this novel that were born from Muse songs and would not exist without their genius. Also, oh no, we have to cancel no, Muse! No. No! Lincoln Park. <laughs> no! Travis no. Elbow. Coldplay. Oh my god! Marjorie Fair. My Chemical Romance. <laughs> brand new. The Strokes. No. Over for Sleep. The Arcade Fire. And The Fray. How could she have oh all been God. instrumental in staving off the writer's block. How does she have so many good artists in there and get such shit from the material? Because listen, I do the same thing. I literally have character playlists with same. songs same. to match the scenes that are, have taken place that I've written already or that are going to take place. And if I ever did this much of a disservice to their creativity with my writing, I would not allow those playlists to become public knowledge. <laughs> I am so baffled. Like, I literally cannot believe... Linkin Park, My Chemical Romance, Muse, The Strokes, Coldplay, Arcade Fire... The Fray. The Fray! <laughs> Like, these are all, like, mid-2000s bangers, as we can all acknowledge. And the mid-2000s was not a fantastic time for music outside of, like, alt and emo. But, oh, my God. I, I, I'm like, this is actual genuine shock. I hadn't read the acknowledgments, so I didn't know that this was in there. Holy shit. Well, we know that Muse and... Paramore and uh, Linkin Park were all in the soundtrack for the first movie. It's, it is absolute. I have said before that if my series is ever successful and I get a movie made out of it, I want Florence and the Machine to do the soundtrack. Yeah. And this makes me believe that she had some say in the choice of music for the movie. Yeah. And all I can say is that her, her taste in music is far, far better than her own creative talent. Oh, yeah. And and this here's the thing. I don't want to say... I'm sure Stephanie Meyer is, like, a good person. And I don't want to hate on her too much. Because without her, we wouldn't be having this wondrous time right now. But, babe. she Even she knows how bad a lot of this stuff was. So, it's okay. But, oof. Oofa doofa. Oof. Oof. Well, that's, uh... Are those all the acknowledgements? That's, that's New Moon. 
So we are getting ready today. Legions, legions of readers are <laughs> hungry for more. <laughs> Give in to the temptation. Shut up, shut up. Today, as soon as we get done recording this episode, we are going to watch the New Moon Extended Edition, which is three hours and 52 minutes long. And next episode is going to be our roundup episode where we discuss the book as a whole and the movie. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a special guest on that episode. Do you want to say who it is or do, do we want it to be a surprise? It's not anyone famous. I don't want anyone getting too excited. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> the one. <laughs> the only. Sean Connery. <laughs> oh my God. How... We, we put it out there. Sean Connery. Uh, no. <laughs> it is. James Bond fame Sean Connery is going to be on our Kristen Twilight Kristen Stewart podcast. herself is coming on. I, I, wa- I, like, in my wildest fucking dreams, we would have Kristen Stewart on this show. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson guest starring on an episode of this show would be probably the pinnacle of my life oh yeah absolutely because i would love for them to come on and like expect us to be like it, what like fans or whatever and we're just like oh my god this is fucking awful i can't believe this was put to print uh... i would love to just get like an interview like just like get them on zoom and be able to ask them some questions and just record that and put it out as like bonus content if we wanted to but holy shit wouldn't that be wonderful? I don't think and either of them after... has social media, so there would be, like, no way of them getting it out there either. <laughs> now, after all of that uh, titillating uh, detail and concept, uh, our guest next week is going to be Brandon <laughs> T. Ooh, I'm not going to give his last name. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. So my husband Brandon uh wanted to watch the movie with us and so I was like, well, if you're going to watch the movie, you're going to come on the show and you're going to talk about it with us cuz he actually knows quite a bit more about like actual filmmaking than I do. And so I'm excited to get his takes on it. He also knows a bit more about like visual effects and uh just design in general. So I, I just, I'm so excited to hear his take on it. And I'm hoping that he is ready for how fucking terrible this is about to be. I'm a photographer now. So I think that means I have even more right to comment on the cinematography this time. You're a... okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Uh, I have been Sarah. She has been M. Follow us on Twitter. I have been a lot of things. You have been. Did you want to go on or? No. Follow us on Twitter at 2020TwilightPod. <laughs> M is N, uh, at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Um, and that's it. Goodbye. No. What? It's not Goodbye. This is just the beginning. Oh, shut the hell up. Goodbye.